0: Empty Museum presents A Mile in My Shoes. These shoes are a pair of black Jasper Conran kitten heel sandals. They are simple in design and have a single T shaped strap going across the toe of the shoe. This strap is lined with turquoise and silver sequins and the end of the shoe is square. These shoes belong to Dahlia. This is her story. My name is Dahlia Jamil. My heritage is from Bangladesh, and I do have a huge long name. However, everyone now calls me Dahlia, and that's how I'm known as, and I would like to be called as well. My association with Southampton goes back to the 80s, in fact. Uh, We had just, I just moved from Leeds to Southampton and that was my long and lasting or the beginning of my relationship with Southampton and I have to say it's over the years that I've fallen in love with the place. It wasn't like love at first sight. It was quite a jump from the north to come to the south. Leeds and Southampton were poles apart. I started working in Southampton as an adult education organiser, and we were based in what is now the mosque on Argyle Road. That was the Hampshire County Council Argyle Road Education Centre. And it was very interesting because the massive building hosted community work, educational work, youth work. So it was a hub, a real hub of community and activities happening there. And I was appointed as an organiser for organising English language classes for BME communities in Southampton. So I've always had a passion for working with women um, for obvious reason myself being a woman but also seeing the all sorts of disparities in families in society and it just seemed that if I could to support them. All it needed was a bit of support and confidence for a majority of the women, in fact. And um, it wasn't just BME communities that I worked with, actually. I was working with women from Orchard Lane Estate, in fact, from all the so-called deprived area estate as well, organising literacy classes, numeracy classes, self-confidence classes, everything just to make you feel that you were better you were confident enough to do you know whatever job or whatever role In Leeds, you could actually see a multicultural population or a diverse population, rather. And there were loads of languages being spoken, I think, in terms of the thought process or the political process or the diversity process. It was way ahead, in fact. They'd already started to think of lots of things which Southampton hadn't. Certainly when I came in 80, they hadn't thought about it. If they had, it was as a matter of footnote. you know, okay, we need to engage. And Southampton's population didn't. reflect that at all either Um, they were there but mainly concentrated in the inner cities of Southampton not like now where the population have moved outwards from you know the inner city to Shirley to um, all sorts of kind of uh, places but yes certainly that was a difference and it was also about the delivery of services as well you actually felt like you didn't belong in Southampton people weren't that friendly i have to say it was always in leeds the northerners have this very um, uh, welcoming smile and helpful and that to me was very very stark And if i give you an example of southampton's diverse population there used to be a, a shop called car which is in chandler's ford which is now the asda and they had a crash in those days this is in 1984 imagine a uh, creche in the shop and my two girls I used to put them there and then do my shopping and I didn't do a lot of shopping but the creche workers knew us and knew our names because we were the only Asian families taking their children and dropping them on doing shopping it's incredible when you think about it and look at it now you know I see so many changes all positive changes but that's exactly how it was I'd like to think that my work, which is predominantly, as I said, with women, but not exclusively, uh, 18 and over, in fact. In the early days, the first thing I managed to, uh, we managed to have a little centre, which is called the Clavelli Centre, a very uh, small building, which used to be actually a school lunch or dining, you know, kitchen, school kitchen, that's what it was. And then Hampshire County Council, that building belonged to them, they turned it into as part of uh, an adult education strategy. And I had a fantastic line manager at that moment who had a vision. And she said, perhaps you and a few others should be based there. Because we were smack bang in the middle of the community. And encourage women to come out, just engage, because In the 80s, the major problem with particularly the Asian communities was that they didn't venture out. And obviously you didn't have a lot of television, you didn't have mobile phones. So the engagement was very important to pass on important messages as well. It was a two-way process. It was a step up for the women to come out of the house and be amongst themselves and discuss whatever the issues were. The second thing was there were important messages, say, for example, from the health authorities or education or whoever, um, that they needed to reach these women. And I remember many times in my lifetime, I've organised meetings, and whilst organising these meetings, it was always the organisers who would say, we can't seem to... Reach black communities, we don't see them. And one of my students, actually, in one of these meetings that I'd arranged with about 30 or 40, said, You don't have to look far, you just need to come to us, you know. And it was, this was in fact the health authority, the hospital, which was right behind us. And they were saying, We can't find BME women. And it was absolutely appalling, you know, to even kind of uh, think that they couldn't find or reach. So it was actually the reach that was the most important. And how do you reach these communities? And when I say communities, there are lots of communities, Asian communities, African Caribbean communities, Chinese communities, Vietnamese communities. Once upon a time, there were lots of Vietnamese in Southampton, you know, so it is, how do you have, you know, having strategies and the intention I think, first of all, it's the intention, then the strategies on how to engage with women. Because there are a lot of problems, like any communities, there are loads and loads of problems, you know, in terms of education, in terms of health, in terms of domestic violence, in terms of so many different, you know, things going on. Um, But most communities are very self-sufficient, so they always manage to kind of waddle on and figure out something. Might not be the right uh, solution, but you know. But it was very important in the 80s to engage and to inform. The messages are quite different now, but still engagement is absolutely essential if you want to work with anybody or do anything in fact and engagement doesn't mean this is what i've always said that you have the authority and the power and you're speaking to someone below engagement actually means coming meeting halfway so you're not the kind of saying you know you shall do this but you can do this, and if you can't do this, why is it? Can we come to a middle ground and work out the difference? You know nothing isn't Life is not about tablets of stones, laws maybe, but life isn't. I sometimes look around because I've been an activist since 1970 with South Africa with lots of other kind of thing. Uh, with childcare, <laughs> with the race, you know, you name it. And as I, as I keep on saying and reminding myself, we have made progress. We have made progress. And I think we cannot be complacent about it. That would be my kind of thought on it. I think every generation, every, uh, you know, new events bring along things that you do not anticipate look at the covid for example we become so self-reliant on you know kind of whatsapp zoom and all that sort of thing so i think it, it would be very simplistic to say well this is the road journey for the next 10 or 20 or 50 years i think that would be a mistake however what we need to do is to ensure that everybody has equality of opportunity and how you do that is the responsibility of each organisation to look into that, I think. Yeah. And I don't think knee-jerk reaction, for example, all that the Black Lives Matter, absolutely a pent-up emotion of the COVID crisis, all these visual images of, uh, you know, in America, in fact, that sort of, fired up everything and I was talking to my in fact on a zoom meeting I was talking to all our old activist friend who are all over the place now and I was saying Dave are we back where we started from and he was saying well what do you think and I said well what does everybody think you know a lot of very key act all these people were very active people and we sort of came to the conclusion that what the Black Lives Matter, what was visually apparent to us on televisions and other things, was that actually you had a young population, and a young, very diverse population, lots of white faces, lots of black faces, but it was a diverse, you know, it was really diverse, and it was predominantly young, there were, all you know, kind of uh, other uh, age groups, but it was predominantly young who'd taken it on, and that, I think gives me hope for the future. I think one of the things, and this sounds really corny, is really follow your dreams. I think that would be it. If you know what you want and you don't get waylaid by the challenges of family, of organisation, institution, bad managers, bad everything, just follow your dream. It will be hard, but it will happen. And along the way, what I would say to people is always put out, you know, hold out your hand because there are many people who would be willing to hold them and help you and support you. Throughout my life I couldn't have achieved, I had five children and I could not have achieved anything had I not had very kind neighbours, had I not had very kind people out of the blue that came and supported me. Um, I don't think I could have been where I am now and confident enough to speak about it so I've always considered myself very lucky in that aspect and I would say to people engage with other communities engage with other people you know you open your horizons there's lots of opportunities many more than I ever received and it's out there but you do need support you do need help especially if you're right at you know you're new um don't be afraid to ask for it Dahlia's story was produced by Richard Latteau. Her shoes are part of a growing collection of footwear hosted by the Empathy Museum's A Mile in My Shoes exhibition. The shoes and stories come from all over the world. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to find out where we are going next.